Well, church family, you heard Josh pray for Pastor Bill, and that's our guest speaker today. And uh, it's also going to be our, he's going to be our keynote speaker for the Men's Rooted Conference. So this is Bill Allison, cadre missionary. Come on forward. You got it, brother. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with the graduates. I was reminded again today as we were celebrating your graduates that my wife was valedictorian of her high school. And I was in the half of the class that made the first half possible. I wasn't very sharp. I uh, was taking a science test one time, and it says, what are the three parts of an atom? And I said, neutron, electrons, croutons. I didn't know what to do there. That might be why I was in that part of the... Uh, some people may graduate cum... What do they call it? Cumus, cumus? Say it for me. You don't know it either, do you? Cumasum laude. I graduated, Lordy, come quickly. <laughs> How many of you are with me on all that? Oh, hey, here we are. Here we are. God uses everybody. That's important, right? Um, open up your Bibles to first, excuse me, Second Chronics, Second Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. I want to pick it up in verse 14 so you get a little bit of context. This is to the church at Corinth. According to uh, the Bible, really, this is the most messed up church. These are my people. Uh, so I love First and Second Corinthians because it's so crazy, right? Everything's so jacked up. And uh, I just want to pick it up because the thing about the New Testament, it just hearkens to how great God is through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look what it says in verse 14. For Christ's love compels us. You know, none of this is about manipulation or the church making you do something. It's Christ's great love for us that compels us. I love that. And it says, because we are convinced that one died for all, that was Jesus, and therefore all died, verse 15. And he died for all, that those of us who live should no longer live for themselves. Man, that goes against American culture, right? Everybody's trying to find themselves. You're like a dog chasing its tail, right? You can only find yourself if you know the God who created you. The God who created you. So I love this. It says, he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Verse 16, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in that way, we do so no longer. Why? There was a big change in my life. Well, look what happened. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what's that mean? Anyone receives Jesus Christ as his or her Savior. They hear the gospel about God's great love for them and how we can be forgiven. You know, there's so much going on in our culture right now. There's so much mental anxiety and all these things. Could it be because we're doing bad things? I'm just, 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 maybe some of it could be that. When we do bad, we should feel bad. That's actually great because that shows some kind of conscientiousness of God. But look what it says here. It says, this is so beautiful. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The only hope for this whole world is that Jesus Christ would come into every person's life and renew them as people. You see things differently when you encounter Jesus. Religion, not so much. It's just religiosity. 
People go through a lot of relig religiosity. You know, there's all kinds of things you can do. People get caught up in religion. But here's Jesus Christ. If you understand that he's God, he died on the cross, he shed his blood, and he rose again. And he did it not because of his sin. He was sinless. And he died on the cross and shed his blood. And you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It changes you. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is coming. Turns out, all of your fixating over yourself will never make you new. But fixating on Jesus Christ and how much he loves you and what he's done for you on the cross will change your life forever. How do I know this? I came from a stock of people that were so pagan and so lost and it is a miracle of Jesus Christ and him alone. I stand before you. Am I perfect? Ask my wife. Ask my daughter. They will tell you the truth. I thank God that I'm not the man I was, but I know God is still at work in me in making me the man he wants me to be. All God's people said, yeah, that's all of us, right? But I am not the man. So I want to tell you a little bit of my story. Some of you who may remember, I was here one time and I told a little bit about my mom. So let me just start, start where everything happened, right? I was born and raised in a housing project in, a, in Illinois, central Illinois. And my mom was also uh, raised in that same project. They listen, you guys, projects. Being poor, um, whatever, all this stuff. The problem wasn't that we were poor. We were dysfunctional. <laughs> my parents drank and partied so hard. It was the 60s, and some of you were there. You know exactly what I'm saying and what was going on. Everybody's all thinking, that we're all so jacked up you know, right now, and it is all jacked up so now, but it's not new. This is not new. It's just new ways to be jacked up. But we've, every generation is jacked up because if you live without Jesus, you by definition are on a path of self-destruction and then you get together and you destruct together. That's what happens. But friends, check this out. I stand here today because God plucked me from the fire. But he started with my mom. My mom and dad divorced when I was three. I don't ever remember my dad living with me. Uh, according to my mom, he was violent and uh, put my mom in the hospital. And so I, was, I grew up in an abusive situation where people drank like crazy and they fought like crazy. And that's exactly what I was doomed to repeat. I mean, this is how you get discipled, however you, however you're, you learn to grow and, and you become a person and your family and whoever your friends are, you kind of just pass that on. Turns out, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. God can make all the difference. He's the only hope. But there was no Jesus. We didn't, and then nobody had ever been to church in my family. Nobody had ever really thought about God. The only time I heard the words Jesus was a curse word. Isn't that interesting? We don't know nothing about Jesus, but we'll use his name in vain. It's just crazy. And it was dysfunctional. My dad's dad died when he was two, so he never had a dad. So there's all kinds of, I could go back and tell you all this crazy stuff that happened in my life. And I just want to just point out quickly, I know that some of you grew up in a, in a church. My wife grew up in a Christian family. How great is that? But guess what? You're still dysfunctional. Raise your hand if you're dysfunctional. 
Hey, point to the person next to you. Tell them, hey, you're dysfunctional. But if you got Jesus, you're on your way, right? So none of us get to do this perfect. We're a, we're a hot mess in motion, right? That's what we are. Everybody is. But Jesus is the standard. So how in the world did I end up here? My mom divorced my dad because of abuse, and so it was me and my sister at the time. And then she actually thought, well, I better get a job. Nobody had ever graduated from high school in my family. And so she said, what can I do? I know what I can do. I can become a bartender. And that's exactly what my, my mom did. Can you see the spiral? See what's going on? And uh, that's exactly what happened. While she was there, she became really good friends with another single mom who was eking out a living as well, who also had an abusive situation. And they became fast friends. And in the process of their friendship, Jerry, the woman that my mom became friends with, Jerry had a bunch of kids, and she wanted to get away for, for a couple of weeks. She had a vacation, but no money. So she had a relative or sister she, in a different state. She called her sister and said, hey, it's Jerry. I want to get out of this hellhole town, and I want to, I want to get out of this tavern. Can I, can I come to you with all of our kids? And the sister said, I'm so glad you called me. Bring your kids. Stay with us for two weeks. Something wonderful has happened to us. And when she got there, she realized her sister, all she could talk about was Jesus. How he died on the cross, shed his blood, rose again. And Jerry's like, great. I got two weeks with the missionary here. You know, going to keep preaching to us the whole time. But about one week into it, she had heard the gospel so many times, it began to make sense to her. And in the middle of that two weeks, she received Jesus Christ as her Savior. Then they got her reading the Gospel of John, and she fell in love with Jesus by reading the Gospel of John. When Jerry came back to the tavern, she announced to everybody, I quit. And they said, what'd you do, find a new job? She said, no, I don't know what I'm going to do for a living, but I know I'm not working here. And they said, well, why are you quitting? She said, I finally found what I was looking for. Well, what were you looking for? Well, I tried to find it in men. Didn't find it. Tried to find it in money. Didn't find it. Tried to find it in partying. Didn't find it. What are you looking for? A relationship with God, she says, and now I found it, and I quit. And the boss said, you've got to give your two weeks notice. She said, fine, but I'm going to tell everybody who asked me why I'm leaving about Jesus. They said, go ahead. <laughs> for the next two weeks, the Reverend Jerry had a ministry at that tavern. And my mom loved her. They were close friends, but my mom hated her once she became a Christian. Why? You know what the book says? Men and women love darkness rather than the light. And Jerry took a great big old flashlight in that tavern, was shining it all over, and they didn't want anything to do with her. My mom tells me the story. This is what she told me. My mom's no longer with us. She died three years ago, but I feel compelled to tell her story because it's, impact, it's impacted me. She said, on the night she was there, the last day Jerry was leaving, and everybody was sad because she had a lot of friends there. They said, Jerry, why are you leaving? And she kept telling them about Jesus. And my mom said she was so drunk that she was so drunk, she saw Jerry. She saw two Jerry's, so she put one hand over her eye so she could see one Jerry. And she saw one Jerry, and she, my mom said this. Now, this, is, this is, gives you a little insight to my family. Whatever it is that happened to Jerry, which has been beautiful, because she's finally got a purpose for living. Whatever it is that happened to Jerry, my mom said, I hope it never happens to me. We didn't want any Jesus. We didn't know who he was, but we didn't want him. It's weird. So after that, 
She thought, I'll never see Jerry again. Three or four days later, we're in the projects. My mom's cooking us breakfast. And in pulls this car. My mom sees and it's Jerry. And she's got her Bible. Well, we didn't know it was a Bible because we had never seen one. But she was carrying, now I know she's carrying her Bible. She's going to come up. She's going to talk about Jesus to my mom. Knocks on the door. My mom says, everybody be quiet. Hide, hide. And we would all hiding everywhere. And my sister and I are looking out the window, laughing like crazy. Can't believe we're hiding from Jerry. We didn't know what was going on. She knocked on the door. Nothing. Three days later, in pulls Jerry. She would not give up on my mother. She pestered us every three or four days for a long time. One day. My mom was on the other side of the apartment. She was vacuuming. She couldn't hear anything. And we saw Jerry coming to the door. And the door was already open. The, Jerry knocking on the door. We said, Mom, quick, Jerry's here. She said, oh, no, it's too late. She says, I'm so, I'm so sick of this woman. She's doing this all the way to the door. Hi, Jerry. You know how this works. You know how it works. Jerry came in. This is why I remember as a kid. Jerry came in, that Bible went open. How real can I keep this? Will you, will you let me keep it as real as it was? Because sometimes you have to make it pretty for church. Let me tell you the truth. Jerry, only been a Christian two weeks, sat down, opened up the book, began to tell the story of Jesus to my mom. My mom drank coffee, Jerry drank coffee. My mom smoked cigarettes, Jerry smoked cigarettes and shared the gospel. The smoking evangelist <laughs> shared the gospel with my mother. And my mom said, okay, thank you. And about every three or four days, Jerry would come over with her Bible, and they would open up, and they would just work their way through a passage of scripture. And one day, my mom asked this question. Jerry, you know how bad I am. My mom told me that she broke every one of the Ten Commandments except thou shalt not kill. And I'm here to tell you, when I was in junior high, she almost killed me several times. <laughs> and rightly so. She said, can God forgive somebody like me? And what did Jerry say? She's been a new, here's what Jerry said. She was convinced that Jesus had forgiven her. So she said, Porky, because that's my mom's nickname. I come from a very salt-of-the-earth family. <laughs> Porky, she said, God loves to forgive people like us because we know we're lost. Boom. We need Jesus. And my mom told me, no sinner's prayer, no nothing. Did Jesus die for me? Is that true? Are we too lost? And Jerry said, no, Jesus is the only thing that's going to help us. And my mom said, I believe. And in the words of my stepfather, are you ready for this? This is a quote. The most changed woman I've ever seen. You know why? I'll tell you why. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. I want to say something to you because I fear that in your past you have something you regret so much that you struggle with from time to time. 
I'm here to tell you because of the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, your worst sin that you've ever done does not have to define you because Jesus Christ forgives you. That is the good news. And my mom experienced it. And I was glad for my mom. I was in every tavern because if I was with my father, he was in a tavern. And if I was with my mom, she was in a tavern. And so all of my whole childhood was like that, right? And then all of a sudden, my mom's like, I'm not going to be. I, she quit her job. She didn't know how we were going to take care of but God took care of us. But we, she says, I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus. And my mom began to read the Bible, and it began to transform her. And she was a completely different woman. And she no longer, like she told my dad, you can have him on a weekend, but you're not taking him to a tavern. Don't, you're, not, you're taking him to church on Sunday. And so my mom was reading the Bible with a bunch of girls, women, and they were studying the scriptures, and somebody said, you need to go to a church on Sunday. And we had never been to church, never been on the inside of a church. And, uh, and so started figuring out, what we, well, how do, how, what church should you pick? They said, well, get one where the guy in front opens up the Bible. Because there's some that don't do that, right? So get the one that goes by the Bible. Well, there's a little Baptist church in our town. We just kind of funneled into that Baptist church, and there we were. And I want to tell you something. Happy for my mom. Mind-blowing. My mom sat in a pew. Do you remember those? Sat in a pew, and she's, you know, I mean, it was such an out-of-body experience for me because um, the music was so slow for me. I, I like the 70s music. Shut up. I know some of you do, too. And... Um, but then to check this out, really, seriously, it was so slow, I couldn't follow, the, I didn't know any hymns, I didn't know anything, it was just a weird thing, they passed an offering plate, and I'm thinking to myself, why does God need money, I don't know, you know, I just, I didn't understand anything as a kid, but then this guy, and that was, then it got worse, this guy got up there, and he started talking, and talking, and talking, and, and I, I'm sure I had AD, a real small attention span, and so I'm like, this feels forever, I just hated church, I, I just could not wait to get out of church, it was so boring, but I looked over at my mom, and my mom's literally writing in her Bible. I don't need, at that point, I didn't know if God liked writing in the Bible. Uh, it's his book, right? So she's writing like crazy. But I realized, oh, she's getting a lot out of this. And I was glad for my mom. But from that moment on, I decided I'm going to sleep over at my friend's house every Saturday night so I don't have to go to church. So I was great at getting out of church. I had no idea. didn't want any Jesus. Glad for my mom. It helped her a lot. And that's pretty much what happened until my friend of, uh, end of my freshman year in high school. I had been kicked out of a lot of classes, including the library. And um, I, my, I had some issues. I was working through them. And um, they put me in studies hall. They didn't know what to do with me. I wasn't joking about how bad my grades were in high school. Right? Now I have eight years of post-high school, just so you know what Jesus can do. I like to say, I like to say in high school I flunked English, and I, I flunked... English and what was the other? English and what? History. Yeah, history and English. Both of which I'm now certified by the state of Illinois to teach. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Which is all true, right? But here we are, and, I, and, and I'm in this totally, totally nothing, wanting anything to do with church or anything like that. And I'm, I'm stuck in these study halls. They didn't know what to do with me. And so I just read Rolling Stone magazine every day. I know, it's not much, but at least I was reading. And, um, and so, and I didn't bother a whole lot of people. 
And so I'm, I'm doing all fine. And at the end of my freshman year, I'm moving down the hallway. It's, a, it's, got, it's over 1,000 kids probably in the school at the time. And there's just bodies everywhere. And I'm on my way to my next study hall. And um, I, I, hear, I hear somebody yell this in my public high school when I was 15. Somebody yelled, praise the Lord. And my first thought was, how did my mother get into this school? Because that sounds exactly like what she says. And I looked down the hallway, and it wasn't my mom. There were these two students my age, and they were carrying their Bibles. And the rest of the student body in the hallway was making fun of them. Somebody said, hallelujah. They were getting right in their face. And you know what? I was so intrigued about this as a 15-year-old kid because I knew who those guys were even though I didn't know them because I was I grew, my mom. I understood who they, they were people who were following Jesus, these students. First time I ever saw this, and I was so blown away, and I thought that these, these guys are going to be eaten up by the school body. They're, I mean, they're, they're going to smush these guys. It's not even going to work. And to my great surprise... Everybody's making fun of them. They're laughing at them. They're pointing at them. They're calling them Jesus freak, all this stuff. And then finally, one of the students says, he holds, he holds his Bible out to the, all of them. And he doesn't, he doesn't do it like a jerk. He, you know, he wasn't being a jerk, but he had this steely-eyed confidence. And he went, that's right, everybody. Let everything praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Now, I... I, now I know that's Psalm 150. But back then I didn't know any Bible. And, and the, the hair on my neck went, bing! I was like, wow, I didn't expect that. They were not wusses. They stood firm about being identified publicly with Jesus Christ. Now this is going to sound crazy. But it, how do I say it? I knew my mom, I knew my mom her life was so changed, it was awesome. I just didn't think it could happen to someone who was a teenager. Because I, listen, if I went to big schools. If there was a Christian, nobody was saying. And all of a sudden, somebody was saying. And it blew my mind to the point where like, wow. And when I saw, not somebody talking about Jesus, but somebody standing up against a bunch of other people and doing it kindly but unmovingly. Just the confidence that kid had. I want you to know something. It, seeing someone follow Jesus in that context changed my life. And here's what happened. I couldn't quit thinking about this because I thought those kids were just going to be smushed. I went to bed that night, and I said my first prayer to God, and it was not a fancy prayer. But my mom had told me how Jesus loved me, died on the cross, shed his blood, and that I knew once you received Christ, you began to follow Jesus and read the Bible and help other people follow Jesus. I knew that's because that's what my mom was doing. I had a clear picture of it. And I didn't know how else to pray it, but I believed it, and I said it one sentence prayer to the Lord. My first time I've ever prayed from my heart, right? I mean, you've prayed, have you ever prayed memorized prayers? Now I lay me down to sleep with a bag of candy at my feet. <laughs> if, I buy, if I die before I wake, you know I died of a stomachache. I mean, all those prayers, right? Those kinds of things. I prayed from my heart for the first time, and I said, Lord, 
And I don't know, I, that's just all I said. I'm ready to do business with you. I know that's horrible, right? But I meant it. And then I went to sleep. You know, sometimes you wake up, you feel different about what you said last night. So I wake up in the morning, and all of a sudden I'm like, hey, I told God I'm all in. And, I, and my first thought was, yes, I'm in. So I go downstairs, because I'm thinking, I need some help. And the woman downstairs, smoking cigarettes, reading her Bible, drinking coffee, right now will help me, my mom. So I come downstairs, and I go, hey, mom. And she goes, yes. I go, you're not going to believe this. She goes, what? I go, yesterday I ran into two kids just like you who love Jesus and they're forgiven and, you know, just, it's, it was so amazing to me. And she goes, yes. And I go, it got me thinking. And last night I accepted Jesus as my Savior. My mom, tired, smoking a cigarette, drinking coffee. She jumps out like a cat and she starts to hug me, almost burns me with the cigarette. She's so excited. And she looks at my face and she says, Billy, I have been praying for you. Oh, boy. If your mom's praying for you, give it up. Your grandma's praying for you, give it up. My mom was praying for me. She said, those, I want to meet those guys. I said, Mom, I want to read the Bible. How crazy is this? And she said, take mine. So she gave me this King James zipper. Did anybody remember this? Now, I need you to, I, I got through high school without ever reading a book. I hope you, have, you, see what I, you don't have to work hard to not read a book. And I put the zipper on it, and I was, I was like, okay. She marks it in the Gospel of John. I get on the bus that day. I got about a 40-minute ride. I just start reading the Gospel of John in the King's English. You may have noticed I wasn't that fancy back then, nor now. King's English. But I want to tell you something. The day you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life and he will teach you this book. He will illumine this book if you will dare to open it up and you have the Holy Spirit in you if you receive Christ. And all of a sudden, I had so many questions. And I thought, wow, I can't wait because I got nothing but study halls. And I'm going to read the Bible like crazy. It's going to be awesome, right? And so I look out, and right before the, the, you know, the bus stops right in front of the school, door opened up, and there's my two friends. They're not even my friends, but they were like, they knew they had me. Like, I was like stunned. I must have looked stunned to them. And they're like, let's get Allison. He looked like he was interested yesterday. And I came down, and they're like, dude. And they start coming toward me, and I hold up my Bible, and I'm like, back, get back. I trusted Jesus as my Savior last night. And they're like, that's great, man. We're going to disciple you. And I go, no, you're not. Because I didn't want to join a cult, and I didn't know what discipling was. <laughs> and they said, man, we're going to disciple you. And I'm like, no, no, I don't know. And he goes, dude, he, he figured out. He goes, you got a Bible. We got our Bibles. We have the same lunch period. Let's have a Bible study. I'm in, because that's what my mom had. That was safe. And I began to hang out with the Sunday school table at the school. And I was, I, I just imagine, I was like taking it all in because it was so helpful to me. I had so many, I would go back, then I'd eat lunch and go to another study hall. I mean, it was great. About two or three weeks into this, I was, got done with our little lunch 
Bible study, and I was going to another study hall, and I turned the corner, and I ran into all my jock friends, because that's, I've played baseball, basketball, football. I love sports. And uh, there they were. And I have a hunch they were like, where's Allison been? They looked, oh, he's over there at the Sunday school table. And so they all gathered around me, and they began to um, make fun of me. Now, this was so fresh to me that I had fallen so in love with Jesus and the Bible and my relationship with him. It was so awesome in my journey with Jesus. And I just thought this was going to live forever like that. But these guys began, one guy gets right in my face and he goes, Jesus loves me, making fun of me. Hey, Bill, how was Bible study today? You know, all that kind of stuff. Took my Bible, threw it down the hallway, whatever. And I don't know why this happened to me because I saw a lot of stuff in my young life that a kid should never see. And I never cried. And you know what? 15 years of never crying. And when this happened to me, it broke me so hard that I started to cry in study hall. And it was, it wasn't like a little tear, like, oh. It was like, <laughs> and snot went everywhere. It was, it, was, it, was, it was heaving. Maybe it was 15 years of, of stored up tears. I don't know what it was, but it, it crushed me. And maybe I was sorry for my friends because they were rejecting Jesus. I'm not sure. And as I was working through that, my teacher came over. They hated me, and they had every right to hate me. I was horrible to teachers. And they were like, Allison, you okay? Here's some Kleenexes. You need to go to see the nurse, whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And I was, I was so dismayed, because I was a new Christian. I didn't really know. And I was like, Lord, if this is how it's going to be, I quit. Have you ever told God something like that? Have you, are you that raw with Jesus? I think he can handle it. I was like, Lord, that's enough. I didn't know it was going to cost me to follow you. I didn't, hadn't read all the book yet. He tells me it's going to cost, right? And I'm like, if this, I'm done, Lord. This is done. I'm, I quit. And then I got composure, and then I thought, I got 40 minutes left, and I love this book. It's the only book I've ever read. And I started to read. And I had already read John. I was in Matthew. And I got to Matthew chapter 5, and I read it in the King's English. Jesus says this, Blessed are ye when men speak evil about you because of me. And I was like, what? That was like two minutes ago. And I'm like, I don't feel so blessed. But I kept reading. For great is your reward in heaven. You guys, I had no material possessions to speak of. And to think a 15-year-old kid from the projects now had something where it really matters. And I was like, boom. I'm in, Lord. I'm in, and I'm all in. And I mean it. And I was. It was so, it was, and this is, listen, all that to say this. Because if you have ever felt like giving up, you're normal. There are these moments when we're going to try to give up. But because of God's Holy Spirit who indwells you, if you receive Christ as your Savior and his word, every time I'm at a place in my life when I'm really struggling, God brings something from his word to my very soul, and it stabilizes 
my shipwrecked soul. Every time. That's why I've been a follower of Jesus, aspiring follower of Jesus for 45 years now. Now, I share all that with you because I want you to know that the only hope for this world is the very gospel you and I claim to hold on to. It's the only hope. People are like, it's so jacked up out there, and we don't even know this, and it's just crazy how you know, everything's so really weird and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. Have you, you know, sometimes as church people, we look at that group of people and we say, those people are evil, They'll, they don't deserve Jesus, whatever. No, 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 no. That's not the heart of Jesus. You can't hate people and follow Jesus. So here's the point. If that's true, maybe we ought to see that all the craziness, they're actually trying to follow God. They're actually trying to find God, but they, they can't find it in all those things. Like my mom, who somebody needed to say, this is what you need, a relationship with Jesus. That's why he died on the cross. Would you like to receive Jesus? It's the only hope. Friends, most of us like Jesus as Savior. And I'm going to do one, one little more story, and then I'm going to close. I enjoyed Jesus as my Savior, and I still do. But if you have Jesus as your Savior, I need to tell you something. He's never going to just be your Savior. He's going to be your God, and he's going to be your Lord. You know what Lord is? Lord is master, owner. That's who Jesus is to us. He's king, I'm not. He's the, I'm the follower, right? But it's all about him. And at some point, Jesus began to come after other areas of my life and is still doing this. Can I get an amen on that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's called progressive sanctification. I still have some room to grow. But here's what happened. Jesus began to come after those things. And it was all, let me just tell you, like, it's like I was driving down the road. I enjoyed the company of Jesus. I'm, I'm driving down the road, me and Jesus together. And, and, uh, and I enjoyed him. But some, this time, I was driving down the road, and there's Jesus on the outside of the car, and he's hitchhiking. So I love Jesus, so I'm like, I'm going to let Jesus. I love, he's hitchhiking? I'll give him a ride. And so I pull over, and I open up the back seat. And I'm like, Jesus, come on into my life. But you got to sit back there because you're not going to tell me who to date. You're not going to tell me what to do with my life. Just sit back. Save me, but don't boss me around. And Jesus on the outside, like this. That's not how I operate, son. I'm like, okay, Jesus, let's wheel and deal. I'm not going to ask you to sit in the back. I will let you sit in the front and coach me in my driving, and I'll decide what we should do. Jesus on the side of the road, that's not how I operate, Bill. It began to dawn on me as I read the scriptures, Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. And I'm like, okay. Jesus is like, Bill, get out of the car, sit in the back, and I'll take care of it. Now, some of you have Jesus locked up in your trunk. I know you do. 
It's that person pounding in your life. Please let me out of here. Some of you think you can drive. You're funny. Because Jesus will let you drive, won't he? And what will happen? You'll be like, here's my wrecked car, Jesus. Would you help me drive now? Would you, would you take over the steering wheel? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with two things. You might be here and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's awesome. I want you to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior today. He loves you. He died on the cross for your sin. He forgave you with his blood and his resurrection. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, yes, I accept you. I believe in you. I know you died for me and I accept that gift. That's when it begins. But some of you, some of you have held on to American Christianity, which is, I get to do whatever I want, and I got Jesus in the back seat, too. It's awesome. Jesus is my co-pilot. No. Some of you have never dared to pray this prayer. Lord, I invite you to do anything you want. And I'm talking to you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? If you're not sure you know Jesus, or if you know you don't, and you want to, I invite you just to pray right now. Lord, just in the quiet of your heart, Lord, I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin. Thank you for loving me so much. Thank you for taking my penalty. I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. If you said that prayer, please tell somebody. It's the greatest news they'll hear today. If you're a person who's never said to the Lord, even though you've been a Christian a long time, if, you, if you're a Christian and a church person, and, but you've never invited Jesus, you just want to keep him as Savior, you just never said, Lord you, Lord, you are the king of all kings, and you are the king of my life. I invite you, I dare you, I double-dog dare you, to pray this prayer. Get out of American Christianity. Do the Bible Christianity. He's the Lord and Savior. And I want to invite you right now. You're not accepting Jesus again. You're just saying, I want to expand my understanding and relationship with you beyond Savior. Savior's beautiful. It's a good start. But you can't separate Savior from Lord. It's always both. So I invite you right now to pray simply this. In the quiet of your heart, I challenge you. Just pray this right now. Lord, I invite you to do anything you want to do in my life. Lord, you really are King, Savior, and Lord. Forgive us for picking those different ones out and ignoring others. 
would you please do something so disproportionate in us and through us for your glory that only you would get the glory. Lord, I pray that every person today when they go out to lunch or go home for lunch, that they will tell their stories of how Jesus found them or they found Jesus. I pray that over and over and over again today, we will take a moment with each other and tell our stories. You said in the book of Revelations, Lord, they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. Today, Lord, do just that. Right now, with everybody within the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said,